1: You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode 12. Trey Yandy, Marty Lee, Nick Caparoso, with you again. Dark skies right now in Pittsburgh. Two and seven after the first nine. The Pirates have just finished up their weekend series with the Chicago Cubs, losing all three. Sunday's game in dramatic fashion. Gentlemen, like I said, dark skies, and I don't think there's any sunshine on the horizon. It has been a tough start. How are we feeling after these, these first nine?
2: I mean, in all honesty, maybe you didn't expect a 2-7 and seven start, but as we harped on leading up to the season, no one expects this team to compete. No one expects this team to finish with a winning record. So at this point, a slow start, especially with the teams they've played, shouldn't be a surprise. And, hey, you know what, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose big and assure yourself a high draft pick.
3: Yeah, Marty. I mean, I think, you know, I, I pegged them around 23 wins, I think, for the start of the season. And, you know, I think at this point they'll be lucky to get to that number. But it definitely is not a good start. Uh, you know, you can kind of see the the issue in the organization overall and why they overhauled the um front office because there's just not a lot of talent or depth on this team outside, you know, you're the top three or four of the lineup. And when they're not producing, then you can for, forget about it.
1: Well, and like you said, Marty, this team wasn't, you know, supposed to win. We, we've said it every episode. Nobody's expecting this team to win more than they lose. But it almost seems like some of these losses haven't been for the exact reasons that we maybe thought it's been more managerial at times um and and you know nick great point there's, there's a talent deficit that's you know yeah. there's no getting around that
3: i mean i think that's part of the the managerial issues so far i think a little bit of it is just him you know working with what he's got and seeing what he has but i also have seen some issues and marty wants to Really get in on you know some of the issues he's seen with Shelton in the early going south. I'll, I'll pass it off to him from here.
2: Yeah, I mean anyone who listened to the show that we recorded after the loss the Brewers last Monday, I was very critical of Derek Shelton. Um, Friday night, Nick and his wife were at my house, and as Nick and I were sitting here watching the game, talking about it, I was very critical of Derek Shelton. I there is one thing we kept saying. It, it reminds me so much of Hurdle. Yeah. It does, and that's what's that's what's frustrating. That's what's worrisome. I understand the talent deficit, but you take a game like Friday night, for example, where you push that run across in the top of the eighth to pull within two to one, three to one, whatever it was, and you decide to go with Miguel Del Pozo and just Never Oscars there to try and keep the score what it is, and that winds up coming back to bite you because you get two home runs in the ninth inning. That for lack of a better term, were basically garbage time home runs because you went with two of your worst relievers. Um, In the loss on Sunday, I really didn't understand why you didn't intentionally walk Anthony Rizzo in the bottom of the 11th. I mean, at that point, his run means absolutely nothing. If you walk him, you set up the double play, Instead, Rizzo flies out, moves, I believe it was David Bowie to third, and Baez rips a single up the middle for a game winner. And had the infield not been playing in with Rizzo walked, that ball Diaz hits, or Baez hits, excuse me, very well may have been a double play ball. Even earlier in that game, I think it was the ninth inning, when Gerard Dyson pinch ran, and you still bunted him to second. I mean, anyone who... Reads my writing, follows us, knows I just, I despise bunting. I think bunting with a position player to sacrifice is the stupidest thing any manager can do. You give it out away. You only get 27 outs. Do not give them away. And not only did he give an out away, he gave it away as one of the best base in the league on first. It's just a lot of things like that where that doesn't have anything to do with your talent deficiencies when you're deciding to not intentionally walk guys when you're deciding to sacrifice bunt especially with a great base dealer on first when you're deciding to go with your bottom of the totem pole bullpen arms when you're within a run or two or in a tie game or even winning as we have seen a lot of in the past week those are the kinds of things that concern me And it's because of moves like that, that nine games in, I realize there's a lot of talent issues, but nine games in, I I can't say I really have the warm and fuzzies about Derek Sheldon and his in-game
1: managerial ability so far here in Pittsburgh. And ultimately, if this team had the players right now, like you said, Marty, I don't think they would be winning every game just based off of some of the decisions that would that have been made. I'm
3: I'm just gonna say and I, I agree with Marty hundred percent. You know, this is something we talked about, you know, a lot the other night, like you said. But, you know, so part of this also may, might be just Shelton in his first season and him kind of being on a little bit of a learning curve as well. Um, you know, with the new rules and roster sizes and just in general, like I said, getting to know his players that, you know, maybe right now we're seeing some stuff that is a little familiar to us, but maybe as, you know, more talent and comes in and he starts to get a better grasp on his lineup and pitching, we'll start to see some different stuff, hopefully.
1: And nine games is such a small sample size. We've talked about it a lot um but but through nine games this team just hasn't really been clicking at, at any level we saw it today Joey is sending Jacob Stallings you know in a situation where he never should have been sent nobody out chance but guys on the corners uh, you, you know the slowest guy on your roster can a corn play for Kyle Schwerber just stuff like this I, I think is is so frustrating when you know that you already have a disadvantage just with the players you're putting out every night
3: Joey Cora is interesting. He was one of those ones that I thought um, they would move on from, from the previous regime. And you have to wonder if he's one of those ones that they're keeping over. You know, they talked about keeping some of the staff over just as with the transition because, you know, that's just another mistake that he's made at third base. And we've seen a lot of that over the last few years.
2: Yeah. The the Joey Cora windmill at third base in recent years is just, I don't know. Like you said, Nick, I thought they just they, can't get it right over he there. Can't. I don't know. I, I thought they would oh, move on from it would him and they haven't and just that one today was that 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 was one of the And this on not I am not exaggerating, that's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen a third base coach make. 10th inning, the t- game's tied, you're looking at runners on the corners with nobody out and and I mean, it's difficult to send any runner there, but like you said, Trey, maybe the slowest guy on the roster and it's like, it wasn't even a bang, bang, play to plate. I mean, the throw brought Contreras, what, 10, 15 feet up the line. He was still sitting there waiting for Stallings. Like, it wasn't even remotely close. And just, I don't know, we've seen so much of this from Cora over the years. I don't know, Cora has always been the infield instructor as well. And again, today, just woes in the infield, and base running issues with Kevin Newman in the 11th inning, trying to move up to third on a ground ball to short, just things like that that ultimately always fall back on the coaching, on fundamentals, things like that, that we've still seen plague this team so much this year, just feed into why I just don't – again, it's only nine games. It's a weird season. They're have a lot of talent. But just in terms of decision-making – and things that we have seen that undoubtedly do fall back on coaching, there's just been a lot that does not inspire a lot of confidence in me that the next time this team is competing for the postseason, Derek Sheldon will be at the helm.
1: We saw uh, a situation today. Stephen brought three perfect innings, got there in 36 pitches, I believe. Um, and we we see Derek Shelton continue with the strategy of the opener and, and moving forward with Chad Kuhl, um after the first three. But do you think we start to see decisions like this as Derek Shelton gets into his managerial career maybe change? Because obviously today, Stephen brawl it was hard to take him out of the game.
2: Yeah, I, I hope we see a change. I mean, I thought today might have been the best I've ever seen Stephen Brawl throw baseball. I mean, Brawl was electric, man. Definitely. He was... What, nine per nine up, nine down, four strikeouts, only 36 pitches. His fastball was set in mid-90s. Like, it was probably the best brawl it has ever looked. And I understand the piggybacking. I like the piggybacking idea. I still do. You try and protect Cole coming off of Tommy John. But I understand you might go in and say, okay, Steven's going to throw the first three innings. But if in those three innings he retires all nine batters he faces on 36 pitches, yeah, you, know, you got to adjust on the fly. Let Brault start the fourth. You know, you can have Cole warming up. You can have someone else warming up. So if Brault gets in trouble and you still want to bring Cole in for a clean inning, have someone else ready to go to finish off the fourth if need be. But I thought moving on from Brault there really was a mistake. And ultimately, I don't know how much it really cost them because Cole did come in and pitch well until he had that finger issue. And even in the fifth inning, the run that Cole allowed never should have scored because Contreras should have been thrown out twice that inning. And the Pirates just – but I don't know what Frazier was doing at second base. That was the total just half-hearted attempt to tag him out. And then at the plate, it was a little more bad luck on Stallings' end because when Contreras slid, he did hit the glove and knocked the ball out. That's still a ball that I'm sure Jacob would tell you 10 times out of 10, he's got to hold on to and make the play. But even if pulling brawl, you know – making a bad decision in a working out doesn't make it a good decision. Making a good decision in a not working out doesn't make it a bad decision. So pulling Brault when he was cruising through three, even if it didn't really come back and bite you, still did not make that a good decision for Sheldon to make.
3: Yeah, I, I agree, Marty. Brault, Brault looked very efficient. Uh, three innings, 35 pitches, You know, a little over 11 pitches an inning. You can't ask for much better than that uh four strikeouts no walks which is a big thing for him so you know he only gave up one hard hit uh on the night also which is good to see um him keeping the hard contact down so i agree he should have stayed in i i like your idea i don't you know why not throw him out there in the fourth inning and see how it goes type of thing and if it looks like he's needs bailed out then you know you go from there but you know, this might be once again, part of like, you know, Trey said just something that we'll eventually see as the season goes on.
1: You got to hope so. And, and you know, I, I think it, it comes with um just learning like we've been talking about. This is a first year manager and you're going to see a first year manager do first year manager things. Uh, But, you know, against, against a lineup like the Cubs, it was hard to see Debbie, you know, never ask us in the sixth inning and, and, and Rich Rodden. And at this point, this team is working with limited arms, uh, but, you know, I think the strategy maybe will change as the season goes on. We can only hope because it hasn't been there so far. Uh, like yeah, and it's scary. I mean, even guys like Rich Rod and
3: Dovidas, does, like, they, clean, they pitched and got out, didn't give up anything, you know, but they're still giving up. The, you know, each gave up two hard hits, you know, in their inning. Like, they're, they're just not guys we need to be relying on every
1: night. Exactly. You, you never feel confident when you when you throw those guys on the mound, and it's nothing against those guys. They just, you know, when, when you have this bullpen, and you see Clay Holmes hit the IL, you know, we we see Kyle Crick hit the IL. We see pretty much everybody at some point or another having some kind of twitch or twang. It, it's hard to it's hard to watch your team put Richard Rodriguez on the mound, Devin Nevorowskis on the mound on a nightly basis. This is weird.
3: Yeah, and for me, an- another thing that you know, I wasn't thrilled with the bullpen was him bringing Ponce in that situation you know i i get once again you have limited arms you're doing what you can but you're you're bring you're asking a rookie to come in make his big league debut and in extra innings against a very good cubs lineup with a guy on second base already i mean uh, you know, what were you expecting there? Why not bring him in earlier in the game and save one of your, you know, maybe save your Rich Rodder, you guess, for later? At least then you can say, well, you know, we we went with the veteran. But I just don't get putting the, the rookie in for his debut in such a tough situation.
1: Certainly. Mitch Keller looking solid through one, through two even. Exits the game in the third inning with some left side discomfort. He's hit the ten day injured list as well. Um, it, they're starting to drop like flies, realistically, and around the league, obviously, as we see St. Louis come with uh, come out with some positive tests over the last couple of days. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, but but a lot of guys are at stake. Mitch Keller, um, you know, we we don't necessarily have a timetable. Where does this leave the Pirates' rotation now? As, as we see another one. Bite the dust. Um, I think we're gonna see Brood Baker get some sort of shot
3: in Keller's spot the next time around.
1: Uh, Fan favorite.
3: Yeah, you know he's definitely earned it, and I think it might be something similar to like a Brawl Cole situation. uh, You know where you might only see him for three innings or so, just because you know he's not particularly stretched out at this point. But I, I do think you could see him fill in there, and maybe maybe Ponce gets another chance just because once again he's a starting pitcher, so he probably could go out and give you a couple innings after Brew Baker on a little bit of a piggyback.
2: Yeah, I also think that we're going to see Brubaker Baker make the starting place of Mitch Keller. It just makes sense, too, because just, exactly. he just threw even I thought that day. Like, when they sent him back up. out there for a third inning of work instead of only doing two innings, I thought that was pretty telling as well that they plan on starting one. And, and Shelton made
3: comments after the game about trying to get exactly. him. Exactly, and it then you throw from, in so. today
2: where the other possibility might be to pitch the Broughton Cole piggyback, and have Broughton and Cole just both start, but now – You know, Cole's got his finger issue, so who knows what's going on with him and just – I mean – and, you know, if if you want to embrace tank season like we have here at Rum Bunter, (laughs) having your pitching staff fall apart is not the worst thing in the world. But when you enter the season knowing that the bullpen was already going to be – very hit or miss for this team when you knew the starting rotation was already going to be one of the worst in the national league and now you're losing guys left and right. It's going to create for potentially a lot of really bad baseball during the season. So maybe we should be thankful that we've only got to watch this train wreck for 60 games this year instead of 162. Keller is definitely the last one I've, would want to lose out
3: of this rotation just for development reasons, you know? Exactly. Like I mean,
2: right? Like, now, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like right now, Joe Musgrove is a better starting pitcher than Mitch Keller, but right. you know, you can make the same argument for Trevor Williams probably. But like you said, Keller's the last guy to want to lose because this year was going to be very important for Keller and his development moving forward, and it was already going to be a shortened developmental opportunity because of only playing sixty, but.
3: You oh, have um, some of the early positives that he was showing. And now with a yeah. left side thing, most likely if I had to get oblique. Like oblique yeah. really,
2: if you're an that oblique always, issue, uh, you're sure. pro- yeah, with 50 games left, there's a good shot you're done. Especially it's in a season like It's so hit or miss. Yeah, and you've heard a lot of people talk about around baseball just being concerned about pitchers and their health this year because they couldn't get stretched out properly. And all of that, like they normally would with spring training and everything. And like last night during the broadcast, it was either during or after the broadcast, I remember a friend of the podcast, Michael McHenry, made a great point on at t Sports. He said about, you know, if you watch spring training, a lot of times you'll see the starters, you know, two innings, their first outing, relievers go one and then the relievers won't pitch again for two or three days, then maybe they do one inning or back-to-back days because you have to build these guys up, and you haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, they were able to pitch at home and whatever it might be during the shutdown, but nothing can replicate pitching in a game situation, and they didn't have the opportunity to build these guys up, so you're not going to rush anyone back, especially someone like Keller, who you plan on being part of your core moving forward. And one thing people need to remember too, is this isn't just
3: like a gut decision Shelton's making. This is a science. They, this is a proven model that they're using on how to build these pitchers up. This isn't like something that they just go in and, you know, ask them how they're feeling that day per se. So yeah. it's not just as easy as saying, well, you know, why not just put them out there? And it's, you know, they have standards that they have to stick to, you know, as an organization.
1: And especially with a kid like Keller, too. Right. And, you, you have
3: know. to be careful with him.
1: Exactly. That's your number one prospect. I mean, that's – and like you mentioned, in a 60-game season, at this point, is, at 2-7 and – Is him giving not, you
3: three more wins really going to – I mean, who cares? Right? Exactly. Like, versus his health. So, yeah, I would like to have him out there and developing that way. You know, he's a step further next year, but at the same time – You know, it's not the end of the world for this team at this point.
1: No doubt. Hard times for the Pirates all the way around, especially at the plate uh, in this most recent series against Chicago. It's crazy. Carl Moran right now is tied with Aaron Judge with the most home runs in the league, but this offense does not look good. Batting a team, 177, uh, they have the worst on-base percentage um, in the league, worst batting average in the league. What uh, You know, obviously this team is just not have a lineup to compete but are we going to see this change at all throughout the season or is this late inning offense is the offense that just drags and can't put base runners on and can't move them are we going to have to see this all season long
3: that's another very hurdle esque thing, right? Like under him, God, it is. It seemed like we never would. Re- we would just battle against the starting pitchers because the goal is to get them out of the game and get into the bullpen. And it's like oftentimes it's too late by then, and that's what we're seeing again. And yeah, I don't know the offense. You know, one big thing obviously is some of your core guys aren't hitting as well as you'd like you know kevin newman and brian reynolds so hopefully newman looks like he's starting to come to life a little bit reynolds also has looked better in the past couple games struck out yesterday but uh you know as those guys get going i think the offense will uptick some but i you know after you get past the the core guys there it's you're not going to get much from the bottom of the lineup. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference.
2: Yeah, You made a great point, Nick, on the hurdle thing again. And I hate to keep bringing up Clint Hurdle here with all of this, but Sunday's game against the Cubs was the most Clint Hurdle game ever. You You, you get Lester's pitch count up so you can get him out of there, but you don't pounce on him in the first and second anyone have the opportunity you so only score one run you make a bunch of stupid bullpen decisions and you throw in a couple bunts in there and you wind up losing and just but but with with the lineup I mean coming into the year honestly I felt half decent about this lineup I honestly thought they'd be at worst middle of the pack in the national League but that was with the expectation that Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds, we're going to be hitting the ball, which they're not right now. That was the expectation that Gregory Polanco was going to hit the ball and that Adam Frazier were going to hit the ball, which they haven't yet. I mean, what they've gotten out of Moran and Phillip Evans has been awesome. And had you told me before the season that Moran and Evans were going to do what they've done, I would have told you that this lineup would have been just fine. But, I mean, Reynolds has struggled. Bell looks lost. Polanco looks lost. Kevin Newman's off to a slow start, which – In the offseason, I wrote a bunch about Newman being a regression candidate because of his hard contact rate and exit velocity, both being in the bottom five of baseball last year. But I don't know. It's it's tough to see this lineup without a major turnaround from Reynolds, from Newman, from Adam Frazier, from Josh Bell, really being a competitive lineup this year. And now I still think Reynolds is going to be okay the last few days he's really showed some good signs. Like you said, Nick, he's been in the ball hard. He's been walking a ton, so he's clearly picking the ball up well. He's just too good of a natural hitter to not get it going. If nothing else, I think Bell will get the power going. You throw in the power that Moran seems to have found. You throw in what Phillip Evans has been giving you. I still think this lineup can be, you know, middle of the pack in the National League. But whenever you have a pitching staff that is in the shape the Pirate pitching staff is in you need a heck of a lot more than a middle of pack lineup in order to compete. But again, embrace tank season. Embrace Kumar Rocker. It is okay.
3: Yeah, I think – you know, I was thinking it would be nice to see them call up some of these young prospects like O'Neill Cruz and see if he could provide a spark. But, yeah, I think at this point they don't necessarily want to. I think they're yeah. – you know, like we've said, it's – if you're going to lose, you know, you might as well lose as much as possible
2: yeah and i think i'm getting a little young. frustrated
3: with that i you know i just saw online on twitter someone saying when you don't have a lot of talent you have to put out your best lineup every night to win and it's like what what i don't understand why people in pittsburgh still do not understand that's not how baseball works. Well, it's like, like, how far is that
1: set us back, too? You know, in, in past years. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. My, my thing is, with, with the ta- – I mean, I know we joke a lot about tanking and everything, but, you but in all honesty. And I realize there's not, a player, there, there's not a player of this caliber in this upcoming draft. But in 2009, we – we Andy LaRoche and last Nick millage decided to be awesome in September. And because of that, the Pirates picked second and did not get Bryce Harper. And I feel very confident saying if those teams in 13, 14, and 15 would have had Bryce Harper, they probably won a World Series at some point in there. So, like, don't... If you're going to be bad and you know you're going to be bad, be as bad as you can be and try and play for that first pick. So then even if the draft doesn't have a once in every 10 to 15 years type of talent, you still have your pick and can take whoever in the hell you believe is the best player in that draft. That is why I have no issues whatsoever. If this team is going to commit to just tanking it this season because when you're in the position the Pirates are in, we are trying to rebuild this organization. You're trying to keep bringing high-end talent to a farm system that has very quietly become a very good farm system. The best way to do that is to pick at the top of the draft. It worked for the Nationals. It worked for the Cubs. It worked for the Astros. That's how you do it. The Rays. So, the you know, Rays. Say, yeah, an yeah. Another great – Tampa Bay, they do
3: – When they pick high, they don't miss – their picks and then you know they have they consistently have a top 5 or 6 farm system in baseball that they're able to make trades and get the correct players in but also still have the young talent anyhow not about the rays but back to the pirates like this isn't 30 years ago 40 years ago when in baseball like yeah it, it, you just wanted to win now it's they're not they want to win, but it it's not going to change overnight. They, so, them winning twenty three games versus winning eighteen games and having a pick, you know, three or four spots higher, like what what's it matter?
1: Get that higher pick, especially when you have been Charrington as your general manager now. It, it you know it's hard to to yeah. tell, you know, fans. It's, it's hard to to say anybody. Yeah yeah we, we want to leave. Well games,
3: it it's but. tough right like I'm saying here I'm thinking like yeah I sound like I'm saying I don't want to win that's not that's not the case I want to win they just they're not going to win it's it's a reality they could put their best lineup out there every night and they're still probably going to finish last in the division and that's the point so why 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 invest into this current roster right now? Invest into the future roster. The Pirates have to operate that way. See,
2: even with the of thing, Nick, they are in a way investing in the future. You're getting Cole Tucker out there as often as possible. to see what he can do. You're getting Phillip Evans in there as much as possible to see if he's one of these guys. Yeah, right. Yeah, like you're getting a bat to these guys. Jose Altuna. Okay, like you know Reynolds is part of your future. You know Bell is if you're not going to trade him. So you know you you know Newman's got a spot. You know Newman probably is right. So let's get Tucker. Let's get Evans at bats. Moran swinging a hot bat looks like he's finally turning in to that top five pick he was. Let's get his bat in that lineup. Let's get Stallings out there because he's looking like he's going to turn into a potential Gold Glove catcher. You know. the, the players on this roster who could potentially be part of this future, they're trying to get as much playing time. And that is one thing is as critical as I have been of Sheldon with his managing of the bullpen, I do wonder how much that's factoring in here. Okay, he knows what he has in Nick Birdie. You probably can figure out because outside of one just disaster outing in Arizona last year, Chris Stratton has been awesome out of the Pirate bullpen the last two years. You probably know what you have in Stratton. But the rest of that bullpen, you know, I love – I love that he is throwing Jeff Hartlieb out there in high leverage situations because Hartleib's got the stuff to be a dominant reliever. Let's see what he can do. I love that, I he like that, he that he's got it a lot too. Me too. Because let's see what he can do. I love that Brubaker's been getting those opportunities. I love that before he was hurt, Clay Holmes was getting those opportunities. These young power arms, you know, that is playing for your future. And, uh, you know – I. I I go back to the 2010 Pirates, and, you know, that season was a disaster. Anyone who suffered through that knows how much it sucked that year. But if you look at what they did that season with playing Andrew McCutcheon and Neil Walker and Jose Tabata and Pedro Alvarez every single day and playing Garrett Jones out there every single day and how much that playing time paid off for those guys three years down the road when they were ready to compete for the postseason – you you have to keep that in mind that these guys have to cut their teeth and they have to gain this major league experience somewhere. And any almost any any good team that has ever built it through the farm system has had those seasons with these young guys where they took their lumps. You mean like I said, you can look at the Pirates in 2010 and 2011. You can look at the Astros in 2012, 2013. Any team, yeah, the Cubs in 14 and 15, yeah, Braves 13 and 14, excuse me, yeah, Atlanta, like in Milwaukee to an extent. Any team that did not go out and do it the Yankee way, the Dodge way, the Red Sox way, White Sox, like, yeah, of uh, just buying your roster, you take your Padres. League. Yeah, it's just, exactly. It goes on. Any And all those teams are
3: trending in the right direction that exactly. we're talking about, too. <laughs> like I, they're all better than the pittsburgh
2: pirates yeah <laughs> i know i've said it before but i can't wait for and, the pirates to play the white Sox because that team is going to be so much freaking fun for so long i'm excited to watch them another
3: key thing in that marty that a lot of those organizations i know the astros the cubs especially when they did that it's when they brought in a new front office exactly got to chicago it's when lin how got to houston like it's just it's part of baseball now when you get these new regimes and especially like legitimate guys who like Charrington who they have a specific model that they're gonna install in the organization you know they're they're doing it their way they're not doing it the organization's way it's they're gonna come in and they're going to they're they're bringing in their talent they're not worried about the previous regimes necessarily it's their organization now
1: and to go off that point nick like you gotta think too if you're Derek shelton kind of what you're saying earlier marty with the way we're seeing certain guys get played there's just no pressure, you know. It, it's not like Ben Sherrington is making things seem stressed because his team's losing, because they know that it's all part of the the grand scheme. It's part of a greater picture later down the road. And
3: I guess that's what I kind of why I'm giving showing a little bit of a pass, where it's like, yeah, is he just playing guys at this point and just trying to get a feel for what he ha- has in his lineup? Like, you know, I we'll see.
2: Yeah, and even even to go back. Like you said, Nick, with when you bring these new regimes in and building from within, I mean, and we saw this with the Pirates a few years ago, when you build from within and you're promoting these top prospects, even if the teams are bad, that still generates excitement. Like I remember the excitement of when Andrew McCutcheon was called up, when Pedro Alvarez was called up, when Starling Marte was called up, with Gerrit Cole, again, a little bit different because they were competing at that point. But, you know, you think down the road – with this organization the next year or two years and they're going to take their lumps but like I can't wait to see Brian Hayes I, you know I can't wait to see O'Neill Cruz next year and calling these guys up is going to generate excitement within the fan base and you know that that's the first step whenever you're working way back towards competing that is one of the key steps to getting the fan base excited again and, and that's what you get when you call the young guys up and I think that's why people should be excited to see you know Cole Tucker in the lineup Philip Evans in the lineup, you know, anytime Nick Birdie takes the ball, Jeff Hartley takes the ball, things like that. So I, I just think people – I know we've, we've 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 stressed this on here, but with Charrington in the front office, his scouts, people just going to be patient. The guy has the track record. I have no doubts he can put together a winning roster here. It's going to take some time, but people just, just need to be patient with it.
1: Patience is key, and in a season like this, it's a little bit easier when you don't have to sit through this for 162. You're only having to watch this team for 60 games. They will be traveling to Minnesota for two, coming back to Pittsburgh for two. Here in the middle week, Derek Holland takes the mound for the second time this season. Tomorrow night, we will see Joe Musgrove take the hill on Tuesday night. What are you guys excited for this weekend? Let's get a little preview before the Pirates head to Minnesota. I'm
3: excited for both those guys to take the mound. Holland to see, you know, if he can continue a pitch effective in his second start out. He looked good the first time out, so you know he's kind of one of those guys that, with the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month, and if baseball continues on. You know, if he continues to pitch well, he could be a nice little trade chip for the Pirates. And obviously, Musgrove just—he—he's looked uh, like he's taken a little bit of a step this year. So I'm hoping to see him continue and, you know, show that improved stuff on the mound.
2: Well, I'm gonna real quick here a little bit of bad news. Aaron Judge is an absolute freaking moonshot. So Colin Moran is no longer tied for the major league oh, yeah. lead in home runs, but. Yeah. No, to to go with Nick, I I am very excited to watch Musgrove on Tuesday. Um, I wrote a little bit over the weekend about Musgrove's first two starts. His slider is turning into one heck of a pitch. Um, His fastball is still giving him some problems, but he's kind of offset that with a higher curveball usage as well. So Musgrove has definitely pitched better than the results in his first two starts. And I'm very excited to see what he can do against a good Twins lineup on Tuesday. And also with Holland, like Nick said, you have the trade deadline right around the corner. Holland is a guy you're looking at the most likely you're going to try and move. And honestly, with and Kella, even though it does appear Kella is close to rejoining the team since he's back working out at PNC Park. So we might see him as soon as this week. But with Kella having miss, missed so much time this year, Derek Holland might be your best trade ship right now. So... I'm hoping to see him come out and put together another quality start and not only help the Pittsburgh Pirates on the field, but also
1: raise his trade value to potentially help the future of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And how nice is that too, Marty, that in a season like this, you know, the trade deadline's right around the corner already. We could be seeing pieces of the future Pirates pretty soon, um, you know, for a guy that in Derek Holland that the Pirates didn't even have uh, a season ago. Um, so a lot to look forward to. We're going to have a full trade deadline uh, preview. We're going to have a lot of coverage around that as well as the rest of these next few series. We're going to have a mailback episode real soon as well, guys, but that is all the time we have for episode number 12. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can find us on Spreaker.com slash dot fansided.com slash Rumbunter, at Rumbunter, and on Apple Music as well. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, the next time we join you will be Friday, hopefully after a couple of Pirates wins, but... A Deadly Twins lineup will be a challenge for Pittsburgh, fun one to watch, along with Chicago. Until next time, thank you for listening. Let's go Bucks!